All right, without further ado, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 18. Um, the passage that we're reading from is all there, and you're moving them from Mama's Mill. You remember that? Maybe some of you are doing that right now. And you, you, they're in the wheelchair. They're wheelchair. I chair. I chair. And you're, you're, you're cutting up the little meat, you know, and so they, so they, they know how to eat that. You're, you're teaching them. You teach them what to say. So in their earliest of years, they, they, they can say certain words. Kids, when I was young, listen to me, when I was young, I asked my dad the question, how do kids learn how to speak? He said, well, they just, I guess he was talking, he said, they just listen, and over time, God made them to know how to, to, how to talk, just by listening to the parents and other people around them. But once they get beyond that point, we teach them things like say, say mama, say dad, yeah. we always need to say mama first, right? Say Jesus, you say Jesus. Yeah, a little pride going on there, right? So they're, they're, they're arguing with each other about this. So when Jesus finally gets into the home with the disciples, he says to them, so what were you talking about on the way? Or as we would say today, you know, I, I overheard you, you talking. What, what, what were you guys talking about before we got to the home? Can you tell me? And the disciples were very embarrassed. They didn't want to tell Jesus. And so then Jesus instructs them with a little child. So I want to suggest to you, this is what happened. Disciples were arguing among each other. Who of them was the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus calls them out. They're embarrassed. Then there's a little time after that. And then the disciples go, okay, Lord, who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? What that tells us, remember the disciples are leaders. What it tells us is that in the beginning, the disciples really just didn't get it. Now, bear in mind, historians tell us that the disciples could have been in the late teens, even early to mid-20s. When you're younger, you think maybe they're older, maybe they're in their 30s and 40s. No, these were young, young men. And there are many occasions where these young men still needed to be formed. So I will tell you right now, if you're in your 20s, when I was in my 20s, I thought, yeah, I kind of have it together. I kind of got the world kind of figured out. Not everything, but basically. And I found out as I got older, no... Not really, I guess. I still needed to be formed. If you're in your 20s, you just still need to be formed. So were the disciples. They needed to be formed. And so, Jesus then, in order to form his disciples, which, by the way, if you read your Bibles, on many occasions, the disciples are not understanding what Jesus is telling them. So Jesus has to revert to some really simple ways of instructing his disciples. So what does he do? His disciples are there, and he calls a child, and he puts the child right here, right in the middle of them. And then he says something to them. You take a look at the text. Jesus says this, verse 3. Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is actually greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, a couple particulars. When Jesus says, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. That word turn there comes from a Greek word, simply says strepho. And strepho is a way of, it actually literally means to turn. So when you go into the military, I've explained this in discipleship groups before. When I was in the army and they teach you drill and ceremony, 
right? They teach you right face and, and left face, and then you do the about face. And when you do a, the about face, what you're doing is it's a 180-degree turn. What Jesus is saying to his disciples is you need a 180-degree turn. And the way that you turn from your pride to the humility of a child is by humbling yourself like this child. And then he goes on to say, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. He doesn't say you won't be able to. He says you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Because again, in the original language, you get a little bit technical here, but I think it's an interesting point. When you learn the Greek language, you, there's a, what we call an umed uh, construction. It's a double negator. It's, it's a way of Jesus emphatically pointing out something. So he's saying, here's what he's saying in so many words. Unless you become like this child and humble yourselves, you will actually never enter the kingdom of heaven and you will never flourish in the kingdom of heaven. It just won't happen. You have to be like this child. You need humility. My disciples, you need Humility. As a pastor, I have never seen someone come to faith in Jesus without coming to the point of humility where they recognize, oh yeah, this is who I really am. I'm a dirty, awful sinner, and I need to turn from my sin, I need to repent, and I need to believe in Jesus so that I may receive forgiveness and so that I can be reconciled to God. Apart from that, I've never seen anybody come to Jesus or flourish in a life with Jesus. He's saying to his disciples, you need that humility that we all need. Now remember, again, he's, he's talking to the leaders, the leaders of the church at that point, the leaders of reconstituted Israel for the sake of the nations. How many, how many leaders can you think of today who really embrace the reality of humility in their lives, the way that Jesus is teaching it now. Joy and I came from the States about two months ago. We lived through four years of Donald Trump. Now, I don't know what you think about Donald Trump, whether you like him or you don't like him, but most people would agree that when they think of Donald Trump, they don't typically think about humility. I'm not talking about his policies, but his demeanor. When you think of Joe Biden, he's the one in the United States who took over the leadership from, Joe, uh, from Donald Trump. A close aide of Joe Biden, who presents himself as a genteel older man in contrast to Donald Trump, is Joe Biden, who this close aide said, is when Joe Biden is a room, he has to think that he is the most important and intelligent person in that room. Humility? Think of those in the film industry, the music industry. Always having to be in the limelight. Madonna, popular in the rock scene of the 1980s. Every once in a while, she keeps popping up. Thinking that she's 25 years old and she's an embarrassment and everybody knows that she's an embarrassment. What's the fundamental problem? She wants to be noticed. I can't live life without being noticed. I have even had colleagues in the ministry who I've graduated with, who have fallen into various forms of indiscretion. And maybe that form of dis, uh, indiscretion was financial, maybe it was sexual, maybe it was doctrinal, where they fell into some kind of heresy. We go on and on. What is the one thing 
that drives these examples that I am giving. Think deeply, burrow deeply. It's something that we all struggle with. Therefore, we can't go pointing fingers at other people. We all struggle with the matter of pride. I will not say sorry. I can't say sorry. I will not forgive. My heart will be embittered against that person, forgetting that I myself have been saved by grace and forgiven by Christ. I will not forgive so-and-so. Many other examples. Sometimes pride comes out big like this, and sometimes it's very subtle. But it is the one fundamental, cardinal, deadly sin that we need to die to that we may not only enter into the kingdom of God, but so that we may continue in it and flourish in it. So that's why Jesus takes a child and he puts the child before his disciples to teach them. He uses a child to teach his disciples. Kids, if you grew up in a Christian family, or maybe you went to a Christian school, you learned stories in the Bible. Can you think of any stories, even just one right now, where you think there was a little kid who got it right and who had a heart for God and who was courageous. Think, for instance, of Isaac, whose father Abraham took him to Mount Moriah and put him on an altar to sacrifice this child. God was testing Abraham at that point. Take your child, put him on the altar. Isaac didn't fight his dad. He'd say, what are you doing? He put him on the altar. And Isaac laid there. Example of childlike Submission. I don't think there's too many adults that would be willing to do that. Or you think of Samuel in the temple. You remember that story where God comes to Samuel. He says, Samuel, Samuel, to get his attention. You remember what Samuel said? Yes, Lord, your servant is listening. Humble obedience. Or you think of David. David faces, we all know this story, right? David faces the mighty Goliath, and Goliath mocks his God, and he mocks David. And David says, I will smite you down, and I will cut off your head, and you will know that the battle is the Lord's. And then finally, Jesus, when he went into the temple. Remember when Jesus went into the temple when he was a young boy? He was only 12 years old. And his parents were looking for him. They finally found him in the temple. And there was Jesus sitting with the teachers, talking with them, discussing deep things with them. What do we see in some of the children of the Bible? We see understanding. We see discernment. We see intelligence. We see trust. We see so many beautiful attributes that you and I should have in our lives and in our hearts. Who are we then to put children to the side? Jesus didn't. In fact, Jesus not only called a child and put it before the people so that, so that this child could teach them something about humility, but also Jesus identified with them. He attached them, himself to them, right? What does the text say? Jesus says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives what? Actually receives me. When you bless a child, you bless me. When you identify with that child and care for that child, you're doing it to me. You see how close he identifies? In fact, he identifies so closely that he has some very harsh words for those who would undo the humility and relative, if I may use the term innocence, we know they're not innocent, they're depraved like the rest of us, but innocent in terms of the ways of the world. And Jesus says, when you come into a child's life, 
and you put dirty things before a kid, or I think some of the worst thing a child could ever be exposed to is pornography, which is all over the place. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. I think it's one of the worst things. And Jesus says, I, I, I know parents, I've talked to parents, um, and, and I've talked to younger people who said that their parents, and I think of Donnie, uh, well, I won't mention name, but an African-American man in the church where we had for Phoenix, his, his, his mom and his dad taught him to do dope and then coke. It's like, really? Jesus says, I identify with these children. When you do that kind of thing to those children, it would be better for you to have a millstone hung around your neck thrown into the depths of the sea. Oh, think about that. What's my point with this? Jesus identifies with children. Jesus values children to the extent that he uses them to teach us. So, I want to leave you with this. I want to speak first to the kids. Kids, I want you to, I want you to listen to me now. Okay, look up here. You are precious in the eyes of God. God made you. God loves you. And he has a place for you in this church. Many of you, when you were younger, you saw this morning, and you have a bowl here with the waters of baptism. And you came forward, not in this place, but another place, most of you, maybe all of you here. And the minister said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God was placing his mark on you at that point. He says, you know what? You don't belong to others out there. You don't even belong ultimately to your parents. You know who you belong to? You belong to me. And I'm giving you the mark of that. You're my child. What the Bible calls a child of the covenant. You're mine. You're mine. And then what he did is, is he also gave you parents. And your parents promised you and they promised God in the baptism that they were going to care for you and they were going to instruct you. That means they were going to teach you by what they said and by what they did to follow Jesus. To give up everything to follow him. Are you following Jesus now? You know, enough of this business of messing around during the worship service, doing what you want to do, play tic-tac-toe or thumb wars with your brother or sister, you know. You're part of worship. Jesus wants your worship. I know you're not going to understand everything, but I think you could probably understand quite a bit of what I said to you this morning. He values you. He values you. And one other thing. He says, I have a place for you here. I just don't want you to sit during a worship service. I want you to listen. I want you to think. I want you to sing. When you come back in the afternoon and we learn the Apostles' Creed, you say that on the overhead, I want to hear your voice, if you can read, okay? I want you to do these things. And finally, what I want you to do, is something you probably haven't thought about, kids, is I want you to speak about Jesus to other people. And maybe go, oh, how do you do that? I don't know what I would say. Let me give you an example, and then we're going to close. When I was in my first pastorate in Toronto, Ontario, our, our, our oldest daughter now, who's in her 30s, was a little girl, before the worship service, I think it was kind of a special worship service, and we, we had her in a little dress. And she was all dolled up. She was probably, I don't know, four or five. And there's a woman next door whose name was Maria. Her name was Maria. And Maria was an older lady, an Italian lady, a wonderful, wonderful lady. But she didn't know really Jesus, and she didn't go to church. 
So I said to Aaron, Aaron, go to the fence. We had a chain link fence. And on the other side of our home was Maria. And I said, Maria's outside. Go to Maria. Won't you ask her if she'll come to church? Okay. <laughs> so off she went. Went to the chain link fence. I saw her from a distance. And Maria just loved Aaron. Just loved Aaron. She came to Aaron. She's talking with her. And, and I could overhear it. I, I heard Aaron go, Maria? Will you come to church today? And I tell you that, what are you going to say to a kid, right, when they say that? She says, oh, Aaron, I would love to come. And she came the next week for the first time because of a child, because of a child. Kids, who, who does God want you to talk to about, about Jesus? So one more minute. After this incident, a little bit later on, Jesus is around a number of children, and parents are bringing their children to Jesus so Jesus can bless them. And, and the disciples, do you know the story where the disciples are rebuking the parents, like, no, 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 don't, don't bring your kids to Jesus. It's like, Jesus is so important, he doesn't have time for your kids. And Jesus says, do not hinder, do not prevent the children from coming to me, for to such as these belong the kingdom of heaven. And then you know what he did? He held the children in his arms, embraced them, laid his hands on them, and he blessed them. The blessing was not only for adults, the blessing especially was for children. So if Jesus is willing to bless our children, who are we to prevent our children from being blessed by him? And who are we, not ourselves, to be a blessing to our children? in learning from them, identifying with them, loving them, and bringing them up to be genuine followers of Jesus and embracers of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Great passage, isn't it? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and Lord, help us to learn from the teachings of Jesus, and not only his teachings, but his example. Lord, help us to embrace our children. Lord, we do, but help us to do so even more deeply. Help us to hold on to them tightly. Help us to teach them by word and by example. Help us to love them and help us, oh God, to equip them to be genuine, vibrant followers of Jesus in this world, but also for this world. God, we need your grace and spirit to that end. Lord, grant it to us, we pray, in Jesus' precious name. Amen.